itself has its own energy or life force if you will its natural environment is in the home so why don't you send him home his bags are packed he's got his airplane tickets bring him to the airport send him home we're back for more pro wrestling moments it's the second day of 2024 how are those hangovers feeling i hope everyone has recovered mark dundadow and Stuart roberts are back with me uh, mark how are you doing today uh, i'm good yeah enjoying the year so far good Stu. yeah i'm all right yeah heavy heavy new year yeah hanging once uh, on New Year's Day, uh, you probably know this story already. Uh, we had to have the fire brigade out to our house because my wife <laughs> yeah, and I, I were, were locked in our bedroom. And I won't tell the listeners what ended up happening in that, that room. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Yeah. This is a so, yeah. No, this is. <laughs> I remember now. So, it's all coming yeah. back. So, you can yeah. sign up to Patreon.com forward slash Midsouth Moments. <laughs> you want to hear the unbridged version of that, but. We'll That's move a away bonus from episode that. all in that, itself, Yeah, that is a bonus really, episode. Yeah. A, a dreadful time. One of the worst hangouts <laughs> I've ever had. Um, yeah, not the best. We are now deep in the 12 days of progressing moments. I'm very much in hope you're enjoying this series as much as we are putting it together. And savour it. Savour us while we're here. Because soon, like that ex you wish you tried harder with, will be gone. You'll never be able to sniff our hair or hold us tight again. You'll hear that song that was ours and you'll cry. We're back today for show five, Go Home, covering the April 3rd, 1933 episode of Dodger Superstars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, sorry. I, I, I've Mark's gone. gone. Mark's I, gone. I've gone. I don't know how to mute. I don't know how to mute. No, no, it's sorry. all right. It's all right. It's, it's all good. Uh, yeah, so the April 3rd, 93 episode of WWF Superstars aired in most markets the day before WrestleMania 9. Uh, Vince McMahon in a particularly garish shirt, Randy Savage and Jerry Lauder were standing in front of a fountain or the fountains at Caesars Palace. And it blew my mind a bit that there was a WWF with Bobby Heenan and Jerry Lawler in it at the same time, which feels completely wrong. Um, Vince said there was no telling what would happen that weekend. And Savage said dreams could come true overnight. They'd be joined shortly by Lex Luger. And we cut to an arena for some action with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. And they said it was a pleasure for them to be there on Superstars. Uh, Mr. Perfect came out as Gorilla complained about the chairs. Perfect was up against Dwayne Gill as Gorilla said all roads were into Caesar's Palace and Sunday Perfect would be staring in the kisser of the narcissist and it seemed like every time they said that word, they said it in a slightly different way. They couldn't quite nail the narcissist. Uh, Gorilla said people should phone up their cable companies to say, I don't want to be left out. I want to be part of WrestleMania. Uh, and that's too many words for a busy cable TV phone operator. Just tell them what you want. Uh, Gorilla talked about some things that would be at Mania and added it was strange that Lex had knocked all of his opponents out and for his money, something stinks. Uh, perfect hit his great perfect plex for the win in short order. Mark, what do you think of the opening of the show? Uh, right, okay. Um, yeah, it's quite the contrast for old Vinnie Mac here. A year earlier, he'd introduced the show wearing a suit, standing still in front of a green screen. And then this one, he was wearing his casual shirt and he was being very animated with his movements in front of a fountain. Uh, a bit of fresh air looked to have done him wonders, I thought. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the match itself, uh, we had the dream team of Heenan and Monsoon on commentary, which was my all-time favourite wrestling commentary lineup. Uh, what would your uh, favourite lineup be? All-time um, Oh, I think i might oh i think it might be kevin kelly and um don Callis. actually i know that's a very modern and you know a bit maybe a, a bit of a slightly twashish choice really but that is all the soundtrack to some of my favorite matches are those two so look, omega and okada series is, is those two so and i think they're the best and i think actually kevin kelly with any combination either um Rocky Romero is really good in G1s. 
if we're talking WWF, I would probably say Lawler and Heyman, I think, are probably my favourite too. But Gorilla and... You mean uh, JR and Heyman? Sorry, who did I say? Gorilla? Lawler and Heyman. Lawler and Heyman would not be a good good pair. No. Um, I think Gorilla and... I think Gorilla and Jesse, then Gorilla and Bobby, I think, are my two okay. WWF ones, I think. Um, the be- the Actually, they're my favourites. The best, I think, is JR and Heyman. So that's two different things, isn't it? What do you think, Stu? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not too far away from you because I I I always like Jesse Jesse and, and and Gorilla Bobby and Bobby and Gorilla are great, but I I have to say, um, Ross and Heyman, um, yeah, I think it um, was it seventeen? Was it seventeen? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, perfection. unbelievable. Although what, yeah. what I will say is, um. It's back to WrestleMania 17. I really liked when they had Gene and Bobby out to do the uh, the the um, you know the nostalgia oil, didn't they? And um, he was talking about the Iron Sheik and what did Bobby say? It'd be something like it'd be like WrestleMania 29. Oh, time he like gets to the Sheik ring, yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Heyman and um, Heyman and, um, and 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 Ross were great. And and if you think back to um, the the Survivor Series, you know when um, when the WWF beat WCW and Ross and Heyman were on for that first half hour, weren't he? And he called Heyman into the ring and and all of this and um and, oh, and and Heyman him, going yeah. to attack Ross, didn't he? Or something like that as well. Oh, I can't remember what something happened, didn't it? And um, Ross was leveling him or some something. I can't remember. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that so, was a lot. Uh, was that, yeah, I guess that's a night. Yeah, lots of stuff happened on that Raw, didn't it? It seems like a bit of a yeah. fever dream now. Yeah, yeah. So in this one, um, Monsoon was winding Heenan up about having to wear a toga at WrestleMania and. Um, the brain was adamant that he wouldn't be doing it. And that was a bit of nice groundwork for uh, Bobby's memorable entrance on the back of a camel at the start of that pay-per-view. And um, yeah, speaking of them, there was a brilliant exchange between them where Gorilla was talking about things they will see at Caesar's Palace one by one and he was dismissing them. Uh, He said, camels, I don't like camels. Tigers, I don't like tigers. Vestal virgins. And it was a very long pause. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the match itself, for a long time, the perfect plex was one of my all-time favourite moves. I just love that variation of the suplex. I know plenty of other people have done the same fisherman suplex, but for me, it was the three stages where Mr. Perfect will get three separate crowd pops that I liked. He'd yeah. grab his opponent in a front face lock and wait for the crowd to cheer, thinking this might be it. Then he'd hook the leg and again long enough to get another good cheer from the crowd um and then the move itself and the three count that followed would get the biggest cheer of all so great yeah and i feel like when i first was watching in 1990 it was really protected like uh, though he lost straight away to kerry von eric i do think at the survivor series he just beat him clean up with that perfect plex in that in the size of match before he lost the warrior but i always saw perfect as quite a sort of protected person around that time um Stu, what did you think of the opening and uh and the first match yeah so it was uh it was a uh, strange to see gil gilberg with a a big oh, yeah. old mullet and uh yes <laughs> um so yeah i mean perfect it's just he's just he's like liquid isn't he he's just he's just great i still i still love the towel throw the gum spit and yeah and, and stuff like that so um but yeah he just he just he just does everything great doesn't he really and stuff like that and again um almost feel you know i know i know he had i know he had he had some back issues didn't he perfect at that time but still again another one a bit bit criminally underused for me really so um so but but yeah yeah it was it was it was a great opening match and yeah he's just class in the era of um dual brand two world champions perfect could have held up an end couldn't he really i yeah yeah he just was kind of i'm sure he earned a lot of money but it, i think for him personal life and and position on cards is just at the wrong time, wasn't it? Really, like a, a kind of a little bit of a smaller guy, but probably put a lot of lot of muscle on his body through nefarious means. So, yeah, it's a shame that he wasn't about 20, 20 years later. Really, um, they cut back to Vegas, and Lex Luger was with, was with the chaps, and he was looking very pleased with himself. He said it was appropriate to be in his in his. Oh God, what am I talking about? He said it was appropriate to be in this lovely mist off this fountain and the reflection in the fountain. And once he'd beaten perfect, he would be reflecting on a non-perfect career. Vince then suggested they go shopping, and Randy said, "Let's shop until we drop." What's going on on this show, Mark? Um, yeah, I didn't get a lot of that. They, it, 
I, I did like one line Luger used, which was he was beyond perfection because it fits the narcissist gimmick. Like that is something he would say, and it obviously relates to his opponent at the pay per view. Mm. It was simple, but but nice. Um, yeah, and I like how right before the cut away, Macho man managed to very quickly squeeze in. He put his finger in Lex's face and said, "Perfect's going to beat you." Right <laughs> as the screen faded to a visual of uh, the Mega Mania. Excellent, Stu. Um, I mean, Savage was all over the shop in this one, weren't he? he yeah, he was just yeah. It, it was just like completely, completely crackers. Uh, not much around on the promo, just a bit of a stand. I, I, I don't know. I always found Luca just a bit monotone. Really, he's a bit, you know, a bit one-dimensional in terms of his promos, isn't he? Really, I, I yeah, it was all right. Uh, the chaps were back in front of the fountain of the gods, and they mentioned the shops again. I wondered, are they trying? Are they working for the Las Vegas tourist board here? Are they trying to sell a wrestling pay per view? Uh, Vince said Sean was out by the pool as Randy charged up and down, saying his money was burning a hole in his pocket. They then cut to Gene in the arena, and he had the Mega Maniacs join him. Beefcake had the face mask on just in case. Hogan said something about the American flag and the eagle flying low. But when you train and said your prayers, you believe in the youth of America and Hulkamania, and it's about time they all turn this thing around, starting out, by, starting out by wiping out Money Inc. He said he wanted President Clinton to sleep easy, as the first thing they were going to do after they bankrupt Money Inc. is seize their assets and stick them all in a trailer, and then drag it around all over the place, and then back to Florida while Jimmy Hart hurls the money out to everyone. And that feels like a lot of work. I'd just take the money and chill out. I think. Hart said he was already lining up the tag champions in the WWF for after the Mega Maniacs won the title. Hogan said, uh, Hogan later said for money not to worry uh, about Bruce's ugly twisted up mug and that he tested Bruce's mug against various things and then blasted him with a metal briefcase several times, which was not a great show of friendship from Hogan, hurting Bruce's confidence and also physically hurting him as well. Uh, that all aside, I strongly, strongly believe, like I said on our last episode together, that Brett should have beaten Yokozuna, that this was the role for Hulk Hogan in 1993. Hulk and Bruce should have won the tag team titles at WrestleMania and had a long run as another featured act on pay-per-views and on, you know, et cetera. He didn't have to do all the house shows um, because this would have been the perfect place for Hogan, keeping him out of the singles pay, uh, picture. And they could have already done something else with, with Hogan and Brett if they needed to. And as I said before, this show did significantly better business than WrestleMania 8 um, if he just pushed Brett Hart and he believed in him. But more on Brett later. Uh, Stu, first, what do you think of Hogan and Beefcake here? Um. Yeah, it was it was a it was a bit chaotic. Um, it was you know the usual the the usual stick. You know, Beefcake didn't really get a lot lot in, did he? Really in no. that promo, um, uh, and stuff like that. And it was obvious that um, uh, you know, because um, Hogan had had that before he go into WrestleMania. Hogan had had that accident, hadn't he, the night before? Because remember, he was he was all. Do you remember his eye was all all. Knackered, well, wasn't it? Com- yeah, conflicting reports about how he got that black eye. Well, apparently oh. Savage drilled him, didn't he? I think that's that, uh... that's the unofficial story. Yeah, officially they said it was a he was in his speedboat accident or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I've not heard this. So um about Savage, what was it about Savage? I can't remember the source. Can you remember Stephen? I think Jim Cornette said it. No, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Cornette has, has revealed that apparently um, Savage decked Hogan because of Hogan and Linda specifically's role in their divorce. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. I'd like so, to believe uh, that is true. I think Hogan said in his book, after she left Randy, Elizabeth went and lived with them for a while. Yeah. And Randy thought they'd sort of swung that deal. Yes. Uh, it was Elizabeth's choice. Okay, okay. <laughs> But I don't want to steal your thunder, Mark, because I think you had... Didn't you say you had a bit of a uh, a thing about Bill Clinton? Oh, blimey. Well, <laughs> my, my notes started with, I do not en- envy Stephen having to uh, describe what this promo is all about. Because, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, used Hogan used a few metaphors that suggested things in America were a bit doom and gloom. Um, talking about the eagle is flying slow, brother. And the flag is hanging low, dude. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> talking about believing in the youth of America uh, and so on and so on. So, yeah, I, I made some notes. I, I think I must have told you in the group chat, Stu, about 
Um, there was a budget deficit and Bill Clinton was under a bit of fire. It was early into his presidency and so on and things were a bit down. So Hogan was trying to, I think, cheer up the president by uh, winning a wrestling match. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my thoughts on the promo itself. I felt like Jimmy Hart really should have got some yellow or red rimmed glasses during this run because everything Hogan was wearing was obviously red and yellow as always. But everything Brutus was wearing was red and yellow, including his protective mask. And Jimmy was wearing a red and yellow suit with a red and yellow megaphone, and he had white and black uh, sunglasses. He just neglected to splash out on some new specs. Um, yeah, he was, they were rambling about driving Harley Davidson's cross country after WrestleMania for some reason. Uh, Hogan went into some bonkers diatribe about smashing down the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> and what was left of the Twin Towers, which was oh, after dear. that was uh, bombed. Uh, yeah, 1993. Um, it was all a roundabout way of saying Brutus's mask is really, really strong and won't get smashed. It was bizarre to say the least. Uh, we had a little advert for Mania talking about Hogan's return and listing some of his accolades. And I thought this was very mid 90s, which I guess probably makes sense in 1993 rather than 80s to early 90s, if that makes sense. It was kind of a thing I'd expect on a WCW pay per view from a few years later. Um, Glenn Ruth's shell suit jacket was less modern as he was going up against Bam Bam Bigelow. And Gorilla said how nice it was to see Mike McGurk again as they didn't get a seal on challenge. Um, Gorilla said an odd thing about Bam Bam being soft for having tattoos on his head. And Bobby corrected him and said it more likely meant that he was tough. Uh, Bam Bam hit some impressive moves in this, a series of different headbutts to a down opponent, a great backbreaker and a headbutt off the top for the win. Um, what did you think of this, uh, Stu, to start off with? Actually, sorry, I haven't got I haven't got the question for you guys. So I'm uh, you, you go first, you. Sorry, it's good good hosting for me as ever. Uh, okay, right, just find my notes. Caught you oh, off yeah. guard there, yeah. didn't okay. I, Stu? So, so the thing that made me laugh about this was that how Bobby said that Bam Bam looked uh, was better looking than the ring announcer. So that 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 did make me chuckle a little bit as well. So, um, but it was just mainly all headbutts, really, wasn't it? It yeah. was a it was a, a variety of different headbutts. Uh, um, but still, the majority of the match was a headbutt. So, um, and so there were eight altogether in the match. Yeah, well, there. Oh, there you go. See, that's where Mark brings the forensic analysis. You see, so, uh, <laughs> um, um, but again, when you, when you think back, I mean, Bam Bam had been going for you, you know, he'd been going for a fair few years previous, hadn't he? Really? Mm. So, um, I seem to remember was he was at four, wasn't he? He was at WrestleMania four because he was in that in that yeah. that tournament. So he, he he's had a a really long career as well, hasn't he? Really, in terms of I don't know how old he was there. Mark will probably say how old. How old was he around WrestleMania? No, I, don't, I don't know, but it, yeah, he'd only started around uh, eighty-seven. He was already in WWF by eighty-eight, but he wasn't yeah. there long, and he was in yeah. and out another few times, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, because so, he, he did work a lot in um, Japan, didn't he? I can't remember if it was all Japan or, or New Japan, but he had some discipline issues in his first run in WWF, I believe. Mm. Um, he would have been thirty-two for this WrestleMania, right? Okay, okay. And two years later, he's main eventing, isn't he? So um, yeah, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah which yeah. is a which is a an amazing thing, really, if you think about it, because he 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 never would have struck me as a main event kind of kind of guy, really, in that respect. But yeah, I mean, like you say, it was just all headbutts. So poor Glenn. Mark, thoughts on uh, Glenn Ruth versus Bam Bam Bigelow? Well, usually when Stuart and I appear on the same podcast, we have a lot of the same notes in terms of. Uh, doing some uh, digging onto certain things. And I would have put money on him mentioning a bit more about who Glenn Ruth was. But you haven't mentioned it there, Stu. No, I haven't. Did either of you recognise him? He's a very familiar face to us. No, I didn't recognise him. Go on, give us a clue. Go on, we like clues. Come on. He was part of a tag team who won the WWF tag team titles in the Attitude Era. Um, Glenn Ruth. He won the WF Tag Team Titles in the Attitude Era, and this was 93. Was it Chris Candido? No. Was it... Uh, was, the Attitude, was the Attitude Era a bit later, though? Wasn't that, like, 97? Late 90s, yeah. I think I would have recognised it, Chris Candido. That's a bad shout. Uh, was it one of the... Um, was it one of the Mean Street Posse or something? No. I'm, I'm at all out of ideas. Stu, you got anything? Late 90s, no. God, No. Go on, Mark. Uh, he's better cool. known as Thrasher from the Headbangers. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Do so, you have uh, hair in this? 
Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, him and Bam Bam were both uh, New Jersey boys who trained at Larry Sharp's Monster Factory, so it's possibly they already knew each other before this okay. match. Um, yeah, Bam Bam hit a total of eight headbutts, as I said earlier. Started with two in a standing position. He hit five while his opponent was down, and then he finished with the always impressive diving headbutt off the top rope. Um, I was caught a bit by surprise with a technical move in there, when Bam Bam lifted Thrasher with a double underhook and spun him around into a backbreaker, which was the variation of the move Chris Jericho used to do when he wrestled people smaller than him in WCW. Mm. That got a good crowd reaction and praise from the commentators, deservedly so. Uh, yeah, good squash by uh, the big man. Vince and Jerry were walking around and Vince said he hoped Savage would be back soon and wondered whether people questioned Lawler for carrying the crown around. Uh, they then ran into Shawn Michaels sitting on a lifeguard's chair. Shawn appeared to be wearing a robe and white pants and the camera was right at crotch level. Shawn <laughs> said, when you're Intercontinental Champion and the sexiest man alive, obviously you sunbathe head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, Vince went through to Tonka bit in Michaels in two, in, in two non-title situations. Michael said he had a lot in common with the losers that came out to Las Vegas. They rely on luck. He relies on skill and eventually luck runs out. Vince said he must be concerned with this match. Michael said he wasn't going to lie. Uh, he isn't that kind of guy. He isn't exactly that kind of guy. Um, he said the only thing he was worried about was going into WrestleMania with tan lines. Um, this was okay, albeit sure Michaels was chewing gum throughout this, which I found rather grating. Mark, what do you think of uh, Shawn Michaels? Well, we've heard many stories about how much Vince McMahon loved Shawn Michaels during his... 1996-97 main event run. Um, so I wondered, did Vince decide the best way to film Sean was directly up his dressing gown from below? Um, <laughs> we may never know, but it was quite a choice, whoever made it. Uh, Stu? Yeah, I think we're all going around the same thing here. About uh, I just put not sure about the indecent view, and after that, I, I couldn't really get past it, really. But um, <laughs> it, the, the gum thing was also slightly annoying as well. So, yes. um, so yeah, yeah, yes. Ma uh, Shawn Michaels Bellen did uh, did uh, basically completely fill up this uh, this promo time. Uh, Tatanka versus Barry Hardy uh, next. Gorilla pushed the WrestleMania Nine hotline, and it would be open all the following week as well. Got to get that money pumping in. Um, have we talked about premium rate phone numbers on the show before? I can't remember because I used to be a Power Slam hotline ringer. Yeah, I was too. I used to yeah. be a great impression of Finn Martin's introduction. I can't uh, remember. Now. I can't remember. Oh, um, uh, I remember what the phone number was 09065 <laughs> yeah. You're through to the Power Slam hotline. Yeah. Did you get in trouble at home for ringing it? Uh, I don't think so, but yeah, I, I rang it on particularly no newsworthy uh, weekends. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Stu? Any Norwich no. club call in your past? No, never allowed. No. no, okay. I know I wasn't allowed. I just <laughs> did it. And in fact, once I may or may not have intercepted the phone bill and wrote a fake letter from BT to my father saying that, um, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, saying that they, the itemised bill couldn't be provided that month and just gave him the sheet with the payment. And he was like, that's really high. But I think I got away with it because he used to phone Fulham Club Call as well. So I, it was, yeah. But the other times <laughs> I used to have to pay out my pocket money. Um, so this seemed to go on an awfully long time for a squash as he and crack gags such as Tonka has a sister called Lee, first name Ugg. All in, it went four minutes and I guess it was a decent little showcase for Tonka. Stu, what do you think of this? So I have got a bit of information now about, uh, I did do a little bit of digging uh, on Barry Hardy and actually, because um, this is 93, so Barry Hardy, and Mark might have got this same fact as well, actually teamed with the first wrestler on the show Dwayne Gill for about two three years as the Lords of Darkness wow which I just think is a great tag team name so. in what in in where was that um uh, well now it was as a WWF uh, <laughs> job team tag team matches yeah. was it okay interesting yeah yeah, yeah so well, that was my I, that was my that when was my I first team. started there was um there was lots of different enhancement talents you'd see regularly sort of every week on mm. Superstars or Challenge. And uh, yeah, I, had, I remember very clearly Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy because of their dodgy bleach jobs and moustaches that they stood out as well as some other guys like Louis Spicoli and Barry Horowitz. They were in that role as well around the same time. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add, either of you, on this before we move on? Uh, Sorry, I cut so you off there. 
no 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 it's fine well like i say our, our team up and then you can bring the forensic analysis you see so uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's why we work so well so um so yeah so yeah because so the tatonka again we talked about this on the last show and so he was now 12 months into his unbeaten run wasn't he and, and yeah um and you thought oh now's the time to put the title on him if you know what i mean that if you're going to do it you're going to do it now aren't you um and then I, I think after WrestleMania nine, that's where it all sort of like then nosedive for him. Really, uh, do you know? Can you remember who gave him his first defeat? Yeah, Ludwig Borger. Ludwig Borger. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I shouldn't know that. Really, that's a, that's all. That's a bit of my brain that should be dedicated to anything that's more. And used then, to and me. then, and then he sort of like went. He just, yeah, he just went off. And then he, t- then he had the heel turn, didn't he, and stuff like that. And then he was yeah. unstable, wasn't he, with DBOC and stuff like that. But um, he he never did. Did he ever have a title in the WWF? Tag team title, maybe yeah, with I... SmackDown tag team title with Animal or something? something I weird. think it was with Matt Hardy, I think. Matt Hardy was it? Okay, I thought he had yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he was hot at that. He was hot at that time and, and they didn't quite pull the trigger, did they, when they should perhaps should have done with him? You can't beat Sean, can you? you? Can't beat Sean. It was well, odd though, having either either his un, his unbeaten streak ends or he wins the title, and in the end they did neither. I think he, just to clarify, I absolutely think he should have won the title, even if it's for like two months, because a babyface losing in this, you're already never going to recover from that. But Vince McMahon didn't want Shawn Michaels to lose, and Shawn Michaels yeah. didn't want Shawn Michaels to lose. So, <laughs> you know, he didn't lose, did he? The only, only match he lost was Razor Ramon the following year, because he didn't lose a title at the end of this year, did he? I don't. And, and uh, when was the Genetti thing? Genetti thing was later than this, wasn't it? No, Genetti no, was. That, that was this year. Genetti yeah. was, to, was after was, this WrestleMania. So he did Maybe. lose the title to Genetti briefly, didn't he? And yeah, got, got it back, back when yeah. Diesel debuted. Yes. Uh, to get him back, yeah. and then it led into the um, forfeit and the Razor Ramon. Genetti was yeah. the start of 93, though, wasn't he? When he put him through. He, the... he wrestled him at Royal Rumble, but Sean retained. It was in May where he then came back. Genetti came back then, didn't he? Yeah. It was yeah. a surprise on Raw and yeah. won the title the same night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, event centre with Sean, Mo- Sean Mooney and some music that might have been better suited to an adult film set. Mooney also reminded viewers that Daylight Savings Time was starting a theme for recent WrestleManias. Uh, Razor Ramon promo ahead of his match with Bob Backlund. And he said it was a, it was the big one and time for Backlund was running out. He ran down the college boy, the former WF champion, and how the bad guy was going to carve him up and said Caesar was next. Apart from the cheesy last line, um, you can see why this guy caught on as a babyface and why people were cheering him. Mark, what do you think of Razor Ramon here. Uh, I wasn't as much of a fan as you. Um, because he's talking as though English is his second language with the accent and everything, he has to talk really, really slowly. Mm. Um, so I didn't really get into his promos at this point. I thought that um, the brightly coloured little box that they'd plonked Sean Mooney down in was, I guess, supposed to be an upgrade on his the area he used to do weekend updates from, but... It looked like a bit of a downgrade to me. I prefer the row of TV screens that were, used to be behind it. It's horrible, smelly truck that used to be in. Um, Stu, what did you think of Razor here? Yeah, it was all right. That, yeah, that it was kid. Right. It was, but it's again, it, it's just one of those um, strange matches that I felt just got thrown together. Really, you know, it was there was I didn't really get a sense of a storyline leading into the, this match. Yeah, Razor was still pretty new and. He had to be on the show, and they had nothing for him. It was yeah. definitely thrown just together. Just a strange, yeah, yeah. And he got cheers at Caesar's Palace that night as well. Um, Vince and Lawler were in front of a dragon, and Savage said, "Shopping, shopping, shopping," and had a tiny bag with him. There was a weird cut here, and then when the, and then they threw to something with Doink and Crush, but came away immediately. And um, we then got a Doink match against Dale Wolf. Um, I looked down at my phone and this was over with a weird submission that I didn't get the name of. Stu, help me out. Do you know what this submission was? Uh, so, well, I, I I don't know what it was called. I just called it a leg stretch submission because it's almost like he he just, well, he just stretched his legs so yeah. far back, didn't he? It was like trying to tear, almost like trying to tear the hamstring or something like that. I, I don't have a name for it apart from leg stretch submission. Leg bar or something. What, what, did you, what did you make of this very short match, Mark, which I don't think I saw any of? Apart from the leg stretch. First of all, the movie's called The Stump Puller. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, secondly, legendary ECW manager and bad guy referee Bill Alfonso was the official for this match. Um, he had a neatly groomed moustache in 1993, which made him look like he should be sitting behind Tom Cruise in the cockpit of a fighter jet. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Doink wasn't just a character for me. The guy under the mask, Matt Bourne, 
was a very good wrestler. Um, so he ate a beautiful. Oh, we just lost well, Mark there. Oh, he's back. He's back. We just lost oh, you for a second there, Mark. So just re repeat that last line because I'm absolutely doing no editing as part of this 12 days. Um, moments. Yeah, the, the guy under the mask as the first doink was really good. He had a beautiful belly-to-belly -belly suplex, a nice spinning neck breaker, and that led into the finish. And, and, and I loved the doink gimmick those first six months before he turned babyface. Uh, the music worked nicely. They always zoomed in close to his face to allow him to show that quick transition from smiling and laughing to the intense, angry stare right down the lens of the camera, usually. Um, these days, evil clowns are everywhere in film and on TV, but it wasn't as common, I don't think, 30 years ago. No. So I, I'm confused by my next notes, but I'm going to try I'm going to try and, and rejig what I think happened rather than what I have written. So after the match, Doink opened a present box he had with him, which contained one of those supposedly comedy cream pies, which he then slammed in the face of poor Dale Wolf. Yep. Because I've written Matt Bourne, he didn't slam it in his own face. So yes, Dale Wolf was cream pied on WF Superstars. Um back to Vegas, uh Savage was still having the time of his life. Made yourself laugh there, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> Even though I messed up the joke by writing, yet yeah, Matt Bourne was cream pied on WF Superstars. Uh, back in Vegas, Savage was still having the time of his life and they spoke about The Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez at the Royal Rumble. And Savage said, Gonzalez had been walking around the casino and apparently he would be joining the chap soon. Lawler compared Taker with the jerks who keep pulling a fruit machine hand who think they're going to win, but they're not. Another strange cut here and back to the guys and Harvey Whippleman was with the Giant who was wearing a massive double-breasted grey suit jacket. Gonzalez said Taker had just rolled snake eyes. Uh, before we get the, tr the treat of seeing Gonzalez in action, um, Mark, do you have anything to add on this segment? I mean, what an absolutely unbelievable visual. When the Giant walked into shot and stood next to Vince McMahon, Macho Man, Jerry Lawler and Harvey Whippleman, it looked absolutely incredible. Yeah, for me. Um, yeah, he said Undertaker rolled snake eyes. Now, I've heard the expression before in gambling terms, but I didn't really know what it was. According to the Oxford Dictionary, that is the worst possible result, a complete lack of success. So it actually works pretty well in the context of the promo. It's two ones, isn't it, I think? Double one. Yes. Double one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stu, anything to add before we get on to Gonzalez versus Virgil? Um, No. <laughs> good um, right the treat of all wrestling treats they did a uh, this has got Giant Gonzalez versus Virgil they did a test of strength spot with Virgil standing on the top rope probably about four feet higher than Gonzalez's head and Monsoon said he's taller than him when he's standing on the top rope uh, Heenan did at least correct him here and to be fair to Gonzalez he did one really good clothesline after swatting away a Virgil drop kick he then won with a pretty poor-looking choke slam, and quite why referee Bill Alfonso was counting Virgil's shoulder down while he was in a choke, choke hold is beyond me. Gonzalez continued choking Virgil, and the ref did absolutely nothing about it. Stu, what do you think about this five-star classic? Well, I was going to say match of the year contender here, uh, right off the uh, right off the bat. Um, well, Virgil annoyed me by doing all his juking and jiving, and that really annoyed me just to start with. So he deserved everything he got as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so uh, um, it's difficult to say, really, isn't it? Because like you say, I mean, yeah, like you say, the clothesline was quite impactful, really. But the choke, Sam, he could barely lift him off the ground, could he, really? So, right. um, you know, um, yeah, pretty pretty awful, really, wasn't it? And didn't bode well for the match at WrestleMania either, really. So, um it did not, no. Uh, Mark, anything to add on this one? I'm going to stick up for him here. I always thought Giant Gonzalez was one of the worst, least athletic, clumsy wrestlers in history. But I didn't think he looked too bad in this match. Um, he was staggering staggering around for Virgil's moves. Made some log logical sense. And I thought he had a beautiful clothesline to end Virgil's comeback. But uh, it was a crap choke slam at the end, but it is what it is. Um I just kept thinking, going off on a tangent here, life obviously can't have been easy for the lad. And it made me quite sad thinking about what an absolute nightmare it must have been for him to sit on, sit in a car, get on an aeroplane, basically everything else in everyday life that we take for granted. Um, but referee Bill Alfonso was giant Gonzalez's handler on the road during his WWF run, in mm. the same way Tim White used to look after Andre, as, as we all know. Um, and... 
Alfonso recently told a very X-rated story in an interview about he and the giant would um, help each other out with any lady friends they became acquainted with. Uh, but uh, remind me to tell you that story off air. Well, I was just thinking while you were saying about, about what a tough life he had. I suspect he probably had quite a lot of groupie style interest, I think, given what a large man he was. But he he only he only lived to be 44 years old. So I, I think, you know, that's a very sad... Did, did he have the thing that um, Andre had with the... Uh, you know, the thing that... Um, Acrobiology. Yeah, that Big Show had corrected. Is that is that is that right? I don't, I don't know the specifics. You, you might be right, yeah. I oh, know he, he died of diabetes type one and severe heart issues um so i don't i don't think it was i know he was that. in a wheel he, he, i know there was he yeah. was in a wheelchair wasn't he not not you know a few years after after wrestlemania i mean he was seven foot was he seven foot seven yeah uh yeah seven, seven foot right. seven is a legit height yeah which is which is extremely tall i mean six foot seven is very tall let alone seven foot seven so yeah the guy was um yeah it's a short life and very very sad really um after the break, the Steiner brothers versus two guys who weren't announced. And Gorilla talked about the Steiner's opponents at WrestleMania, the head shrinkers being cannibals. And Heenan alluded to the fact that if either Scott or Rick were eaten at WrestleMania, at least their mother would have to buy one less present at Christmas, which is a, <laughs> which is a fair point. Um, Rick hit a superb looking, really high belly to belly in this. And Scott did a great tilt the world slam as well. They won with the bulldog with Rick coming off the top rope on the guy on Scott's shoulder. Short, but entertaining. I thought, Mark, what do you think of the... Steiners. Well, I, I was a Steiners Brothers fan before they'd even arrived in WWF because at that point I already owned some old WCW pay-per-view videos from 1989, 90 and 91. Um, so I'd already seen them have great matches with teams like Doom, the Nasty Boys and uh, Sting and Luger at the first Super Bowl. But with that all being said, I still never really thought they were a good fit for the WWF because... In this era, you had all the big, larger-than-life characters like Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, and Yokozuna. So when you'd see baby faces like Bob Backlund and Rick and Scott Steiner coming along with no big personality to speak of or character, just being excellent technical wrestlers, it felt a bit like out of place, like it wasn't a good fit. But um, obviously, later on, Big Pop Pump was a million miles away from this version of Scott Steiner and fair play to him for eventually finding that character and becoming a multi-time world heavyweight champion after already being on the national stage for over a decade. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Stu, what do you think of uh, the Steiners here? Yeah. Uh, always like the Steiners. So, um, you know, they just, just, they just bring, bring that, that power, don't they? And, 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 you know, really stiff shots and stuff like that. So, so yeah. And actually, um, Again, this is one of my favourite matches on the on the actual WrestleMania Nine card against the Head Shrinkers. So um, yeah, it was just a it was just a a good good slog fest, if you know what I mean. So uh, so yeah, they they were good. And 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 I go back to like like what Mark says. Big Popper Pump was actually one of my favourite you know characters in, in coming back into into WWF. Um, yeah, really really you know, and I th- and the crowd were really invested in him as well actually. But two months after that, he just become a bit of a bit of a jobber really after that didn't he, he had those couple of matches after against... the triple matches yeah yeah he had a couple of matches against triple point, h didn't really, he and stuff yeah. like that and again you know you, you never felt like they were ever going to pull the trigger on him do you know what i mean probably because he was a bit 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 of a loose cannon in some he was respects. very limited in ring at that point as well wasn't yeah. he even in a day where you know work rate wasn't as important as it is now but it was still yeah. still somewhat important in what 2003 yeah. so i think that was yeah he had a really big thing with his foot didn't he couldn't he not move his foot it was point? called drop foot i think where yeah. it wasn't attached properly or something yeah horrific but i always I loved the uh, i always loved the metal chain mail head thing mm. love that yeah. so. I, I was thinking there what you'd said earlier Stephen, about um if Mega Maniacs had won the tag team titles at WrestleMania, I mean, the head shrinkers, absolutely yeah, yeah. perfect opponents yes. for Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake. Absolutely. I, yeah, there was money in that, and I just don't know why they didn't do it. Uh, another event centre was Sean Mooney. Call your cable system and place your order now. I think the last time I called my cable system was in 2000 when I added a certain selection of channels without my parents' permission. 
Um, and then I got told off my dad one month later. But what a month it was. Uh, Mr. Perfect promo on Lex Luger. He called him Lex Loser Classic. He said Luger looked fantastic on the outside. But the bottom line is the sign on the outside says World Wrestling Federation. Pretty good from Perfect here. Um, this is the last kind of bit before a long bit on Brett. So, um, Stu, anything to add on Perfect here? Um, No, not... Not really. I mean, he was challenging. What does Luger have on the inside? And well, we all know what Luger had on the inside, don't we? So, but um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was fine, really. I think the thing with this show was, you know, if if we reflect back to if we reflect back to the to, to the last one, um, and WrestleMania Nine's always been a little bit panned, doesn't it? Um, in terms of yeah, the quality of it, and it and it does feel like a lot of the matches were sort of like just sort of like thrown together quite quickly if you know what I mean which is probably why you, you, you know there wasn't the depth to the promos and stuff like that really it was yeah it was a bit yeah I mean I, for me Wrestlemania 9 I I, I could I, I still watch bits of Wrestlemania 9 now I actually liked it as a pay-per-view because it was my first one so it's always gonna yeah. have that that nostalgia feel but it did feel like a lot of the matches didn't quite fit together if you know what I mean so which is why the promos I think were a little bit on the on the weak side no, I can I, I completely agree. I, I, it was the first one I ever stayed up and watched live, so I still got some you know yeah, me some too. fond yeah. memories. But it it just I just think the, the decision making in some of the key matches is, is just all over the place, and that that's what hurts the show so much. But there's enough in the promotion to make this show really good at the time. I th- I, th- I think. Um, Mark, what did you make of the the promo from Mister Perfect here? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it mainly because I never felt Mister Perfect was suited to being a babyface. Um, Kurt Hennig's general style was more suited to being a heel, I thought, and calling yourself perfect is very arrogant, obviously. Um, thankfully, the babyface run only lasted one year. Um, didn't, didn't go too long. and Yeah, I didn't get into his babyface stuff. No, uh, yeah, I think I'm. I'm not sure this was a great. I, I feel like with Perfect, there's always going to be better baby faces than him, so he's never going to be in that number one role. Whereas I could easily see him as, as you talked about earlier on, like the heel SmackDown champion, and, and like that. That would have been the the role I think would have worked much better for him. Um, Vince Lawler and Savage were again in front of a fountain, and Vince talked about some guy on the statue in the fountain being able to party down. And Bret Hart knows how to party down as well. Lawler said the reign of Bret Hart as WWF champion was about to come to an end. And then when we got back from break, Vince said it would be the WrestleMania to end all WrestleManias. Savage said you had to wear a toga even if watching at home. And I wonder how many people actually did that. Uh, Bret then joined the guys and got a round of applause from people watching. Uh, Again, we got another weird cut, but just caught Yoko doing the the bonsai drop on Bret. Um, He said Yoko was going to find out that he was the excellence of execution and Hart wouldn't fall for the same trick and he was going to be excellent on Sunday. He said a little sore after the attack, but he'd been sore before. Savage said Hart was against, had had all the odds against him, but he, he was the underdog, but he had respect for him. He said Yoko rolled over him at WrestleMania. Uh, the march to WrestleMania 9, but he can get respect from RS. He actually said R-E-S-P-E-C-T from all the fans all around the world. Uh, and this actually upset me a bit, legitimately. I just don't understand how you push this guy like an underdog like this and then have him lose at WrestleMania. Just a bad decision. And again, the buy rate, if only they'd known that the buy rate was this positive. Um, and I just don't, again, I don't attribute it to Hogan. This is a Bret Hart. This is a Bret Hart show. This is Bret Hart, new babyface world champion in the main event. And it sold and they didn't push him. And they never pushed him at any significant level with the title. He was always a transitional champion. And shame on you, Vince McMahon. Uh, Mark, what did you think on the on the on of this closing segment of the show? Well, I focus mostly on um, uh, Bret and Lawler because uh, as he approached them, um, I liked how he sort of nudged Jerry Lawler out of shot. He didn't even acknowledge him. It was subtle, and, and I liked it. Um, obviously, we didn't know at the time that Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler would then go on to win the 1993 feud of the year in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Wrestling Observer, and pretty much everyone else's year Interesting. awards. Yeah. Um, obviously, things could and maybe should have been different for Bret, which direction he went after WrestleMania. But in, in the end, it was... Um, a feud that we all still remember between him and the king. Yep. Uh, Stu, thoughts on Brett and Co yeah, exactly here. the same. I picked up on that subtlety, that little little barge into into the king, and 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 no reaction. You think, well, is that the start? Uh, was that the start of the uh, 
the feud leading into into King of the Ring and stuff like that because technically there were no pay per view between Mania and and King of the Ring was there it was a new pay per view no. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so that lent itself well. Um, I like the way the Macho Man gave Hitman the pep talk. If I had to redo that situation again, it would have been I'd have put the title. If he was going to have the Hogan thing, I'd have I'd have put it on Savage. So, so you had Brett and Savage Sav- at WrestleMania. I would have had Savage. If if Vince was determined to do that thing with Hogan, I I, I would. Have oh, I see. I was someone come and help Brett at the end. Yeah, and, yeah. Because because Savage gave him that. I mean, it was like a pep talk, wasn't it? It was. Oh, it was like I a see, real. I see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so what? Thinking about it, you know, Hogan wasn't even in that. Yeah, he's nothing to do with it. You're right. No, he had no, no it, it had no um and how communication hot Savage, with Yokozuna yeah. in any way. And how hot Sa- and Savage had a bit of a thing with Yoko, didn't yeah. he, in the Rumble and stuff like that. So if you think if you think from a booking perspective, you was gonna do that again, you would have had Sav- uh, you would have had Savage do that. And I then think, Yeah. Sorry, can I you? And then Savage versus Brett would have been it certainly would have been well, the way it's good when it happened five years later in WCW. They had a good yeah. It certainly would have been the way a way to to maybe get to the Savage heel turn. But I I think I think you save I think WrestleMania, and I still say this about last this year's WrestleMania. I think the WrestleMania booking probably, and we haven't had a hundred WrestleMania. So I say nine times times out of a hundred, but virtually always the WrestleMania main event booking should be the simplistic booking you can do. Don't overthink it. Babyface wins the main event, and that is just the way it should be at WrestleMania because that's the that's the focal point, and that's the that's the night that more eyeballs are on your product. And if you're going to make a babyface, you've got to do it then. And I think Brett just had to win. If you're going with Brett in in November or October '92 as champion, he has to beat Yokozuna here. And going back to Hogan was not the answer. It didn't work at the live gate for the, for the shows that Hogan did in this time. Um, and the, and the title was back on Yokozuna. And then Brett was gone. Feud with Lawler that was very memorable. But they tried Luger. It didn't work. They were going to put the title on Luger at WrestleMania 10. Didn't work again. And then you're back to Brett. But Brett's lost a year of steam. You imagine if if John Cena had no no actually a better example than John Cena is Steve Austin if you think Steve Austin at Wrestlemania 14 if they'd screwed him that night because they wanted to delay it that just would have hurt Austin and it would have hurt Cena not not beating JBL and other examples you just have babyface babyface winning thing I've got no problem with Yokozuna beating Brett beat him at King of the Ring have him screw have him do the King of the Ring finish and then if you want to do, do whatever but Brett's got a win on that night he absolutely has to um well, it's just, it's the same. It's the same for me this year. Cody Rhodes has has to win it this year. If he's in the main event in the WrestleMania, he has to win it this year. No year, doubt. I think it's a year too late, but I think we will get it this time. Um, right. I that last uh, time. Yeah, I said that last time. Any Stu, final thoughts on this episode uh, before we get on out of here? Uh, yeah, again, it, again, it, it's great to revisit some of the vintage, you know, the vintage footage and stuff like that. You know, um, um, I just think, I just think that my my overriding emotion for this was just how chaotic Savage was during his program, going off shopping and coming back with a small bag. It was just, yeah, it was, it was just a bit a bit silly that really, but um, but yeah, it, it was a good show and and in in the lead up to in the lead of WrestleMania and um, yeah, a couple of decent matches on the show as well, which was good. Yeah, indeed. Mark, what are your final thoughts on this? Uh, what was it? I can't even remember what the date was now. I don't even know. I've got that in my notes. Why don't you go April, ahead? April 3rd. April the 3rd, 93 show. Uh, well, in that final segment there, I thought Bret Hart and Randy Savage both did a good job selling what a tough task lied ahead for the Hitman at WrestleMania. But, there really wasn't much else on the show to increase your enthusiasm for that pay-per-view. There was a few inconsequential squash matches and Hogan rambling about how him and his mate beating Money Inc. would make America great again, but that was about <laughs> it. Bloody hell. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think this wasn't... Yeah, the, the funnest parts of this show were the stuff with Savage running around 
loving shopping and just a bit of the bit of the kind of cheesiness of it all but so yeah some of the actual pure wrestling build-up part of maybe the brett stuff also wasn't quite there i didn't think uh right that is it i hope you've enjoyed this very latest episode of 12 days of Wrestling moments subscribe to the next show you know that you know the deal thanks for listening we'll speak to you all again very very soon No sense of that.